use <laughs> some of my ideas uh, and some of his as well. So I, um, I hope that you will find that acceptable. Um, and he's so profound and wonderful. I could listen to Rome Williams all day. And actually, at, the, at first, I was slightly nonplussed at having to change everything because I didn't have a lot of time yesterday. But I have to say, this has been uh, quite an inspiration to me personally. And uh, to think about prayer, I've been reading Richard Rohr a lot le uh, lately um, on contemplative prayer and the prayer of adoration and trying to apply this in my own life, uh, as you will know, and we would hear, it's very difficult to do. But I have been trying very hard to do that, and um, we all struggle with prayer at times in one way or another, don't we? And so I hope that this sermon will reflect um, some of those uh, feelings that you might have about prayer, and certainly um, I have to say that what Rowan has to say is very profound, and um, I'll just add my own little less profound bits in that. So I think... Rowan Williams begins by saying that all Christians who have tried to learn to pray have found that there is one great transitional moment when you're praying or when you're in, engaged in prayer. And that is the moment when you move from thinking about prayer as a way of getting what you want to thinking about prayer as a way of getting what God wants. And that is a very transitional, profound moment when you are praying. And that's why sometimes in our life of prayer, there are moments when we feel we've kind of lost it a bit, don't we? It just becomes sometimes for us so many things on our mind, a list of things that we want God to do or to do for us or people we want him to bless and, and so on and so on. And sometimes we don't quite know where we're going. Because our simplest understanding of prayer as a way of making our requests known to God can and should give way to something deeper and really much more challenging. And we are moving into prayer as a way of getting what God wants and struggling to understand what this means. So what does God want? Well, it might help us to start by thinking about what God is like and what sort of God we worship. And so I think we must start by thinking of God as Trinity. We pray to God the Father in the name of Jesus the Son, through the power of the Holy Spirit. God is Holy Trinity. And I don't know if you know that lovely icon. I'm sure many of you do, because it's very well used now, that Rublev icon of the three figures around the table sharing in communion. Three distinct persons of the Trinity, it's said to represent. And they're all sitting around a table in perfect communion with one another, leaning towards one another, sharing a flow of love. And in the painting that Rublev did so many years ago now, we see the flow of love that passes between them. So that's one symbol that we can use. But we also might compare God to a great chord with three notes 
or lots of different instruments playing one great complicated interweaving sound. And from these illustrations, we understand that God is relationship. God is relationship. God is giving and receiving. God is like the sea going out and the sea coming back. A love pouring out and the love pouring back and pouring out again. The Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. God is like that. And that gives us the biggest clue we could possibly have to what God wants. If God is like that, pouring out love, pouring back love, then what God likes to see and what God wants to see is love. And what God wants to see in us is love. God wants to see love in us because God knows that love and love alone will make us happy. Not what we think we want, but what we are really made for. We think we know what will make us happy, and sometimes we feel we should have some sort of say in that. But God says to us, I made you and I made you to be like me. I made you to share in that outpouring and pouring back and pouring out again of love. That's where you will be at home, in that pouring out and pouring back of love. This is what our prayer seeks to make possible. When we pray, we ask God to bring us into that mystery of love to bring us into that pouring out and pouring back of love between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you know it, but uh, Rublev's icon of the the three figures around at one point was believed to have had a mirror in the front. So that when you came to look at the icon and to use it for worship and your own adoration of God, you would see your image in the mirror. And you would be part of that circle of love. You would become part of that. And so God asks us to be dropped into that love, dropped into that ocean of love and carried along with all its energy, its life, carried along in its flow. And out of that, of course, come all sorts of other ways of praying. If you start there, it makes sense to acknowledge that you have got things wrong, to acknowledge that you have failed. But I know that when I am dropped into the ocean of God's love, then I am not afraid to acknowledge just how much I have got it wrong, just how much growing I still need to do. And as I drop into that mystery, I can say, there is no comparison Your love, your goodness, your abundance, your generosity are so immense that I cannot hold a light to them. That's the prayer of adoration. I know I have failed, but here I am anyway, wanting to receive your love. Let it come in. Let it flood me through. And that's how we come to a prayer of confession, by realising the love of God for us and recognising that we really have fallen a bit short of that. And then, in the context of dropping into that love of God, we can also say to God, you, God, 
must be passionate for the healing and the peace of my friends and family, my acquaintances and neighbours, just as you are for me. You must care for their life, their openness to love and forgiveness. So I bring them to you knowing what you want for them. I put them into your hands because I know you want their happiness too. And that's how we pray for one another and how we pray for peace in the world and how we pray for our fellowship as a church. Saying to God, we know what you want for us and our neighbours. And that's the prayer of intercession as we pray for each other. We say to God, you know what you want for me. You know that what you want is my life, my healing, my joy. And then we learn to trust God for our own healing and for the healing of the world. In the gospel reading that we heard, Jesus says to Martha, there is just one thing that is necessary, that is really necessary. And what did he mean by that one thing that was really necessary? Well, I think it was the understanding of what kind of God we believe in. That's the one thing really necessary. To really believe and trust in a God who is completely taken up with bringing us alive and making us whole and holding us together. And that is the kind of God we believe in. That is Jesus' kind of God. The one thing necessary. And as we begin to understand and experience this, we begin to grow. And we begin to become a bit more like that person that God made us to be. But for that to happen, as our readings have underlined, we need to quieten ourselves down. We need to calm down and open up a bit. And many people like to pray with their hands open as a sign that they are open to receive the love of God. So we have to begin by opening up and then calming down. I know it's really difficult. (laughs) Practically speaking, those are the things that really challenge us as we learn to pray. Can we open up? Can we calm down? Opening up means, I think, letting go of some of the things that make, us, that make us feel comfortable or easy. Maybe we have quarreled with a friend and we are too proud and resentful to say we are sorry. Maybe you are happy to hold a grudge against someone. Sometimes we can't let go of memories, either memories of good things or of bad things. We're always running a tape, as they say, in our heads. Can we let go? Can we open up? Can we just be in the present moment? Not with a sort of private film show going on in our heads. Not with the grudges, not with the memories. Just being there, opened up. And as we sit in silence, we can think, God is looking at me with love, looking at me with attention, looking at me even with hope. Because as God looks at me, sitting still and opening up, God thinks, well, maybe there's some real potential here at last. Now I can do something. Now I can pour in the love that we need to live and grow and flourish. And it's very difficult. 
Sometimes we sit there thinking, am I wasting my time? What is the point of sitting here? All very fine to talk about loving God and letting God love me, but shouldn't I be doing something? And so, like Martha, the temptation is to rush around and look busy. Jesus says to Mary and Martha, the one thing that really matters. Remember the one thing that really matters. Remember what kind of God is there. Remember the kind of God that made you and saved you and loves you. Just remember that. Don't let go of that. This is the kind of God who is there. Because once that has become clear in our minds, the way we act in the world is different. If we're always turning around, looking busy, thinking of things to do, and just making ourselves busy all day long, then actually the chances of really attending to what other people are like and what other people really need get smaller and smaller and smaller. We're so concerned to keep ourselves busy that we don't actually stop to ask, do people need me to be busy like this? We as Christians are very good at being busy. We can think of loads of things to do and we don't absolutely always stop and ask, does somebody need us to do them? or do them like this, or to do them at this point. I think it was C.S. Lewis that described one Christian lady he did who was always busy doing good as having a hunted look. So it's only when we are calming down and opening up that we begin to see not only something about the love of God, we actually begin to see one another in a different way, to see each other more fully, And when we do that, we begin to have a much better sense of what they really need. Think again of some of the great public figures. Mother Teresa, who spent a long time in prayer in spite of her very, very busy life. And Archbishop Desmond Tutu comes to mind for me. Desmond Tutu used to say that he was much too busy to pray for less than two hours every day. Too busy to pray for less than two hours because the busy he, he got, the more he felt he needed to be calming down and opening up. And I think that's why he made such a big difference to so many people. Now I have to admit, I have to admit that I am one of those busy people. And I find it really difficult to sit before God and to let that love flow through me. And, but I try to practice it and I try to practice it. And this is a bit of practical advice, really. Because it's not easy just to sit still. I remember when I was training for ministry, my friend who became a Methodist minister, she was going through that sort of time where she had assignments to pass in, she had a family to look after, she was working, you know, it was that sort of treadmill she was on. And her spiritual director very wisely said to her, what I want you to do is to sit quietly and do nothing for 10 minutes every day, just 10 minutes. So it's not always easy to open up and just think of God looking at us. And so we need a few things to hang on to. 
So if we're trying to pray quietly and trying to enter into the love of God, we need to take perhaps a very few simple words or phrases and repeat them. I don't know if you've ever tried to do this, but it is extremely calming. Turn them over in your minds and say them out, out loud slowly. They may be words from a hymn. Jesus, you lover of my soul, let me to thy bosom fly. That's a very old hymn, but it might have meaning for you. Or rock of ages, or guide me, O thou great Jehovah. Some people just use a single word, Father or Jesus. Jesus himself used the word Abba, Father. Perhaps we can just say that. Or there is a word that Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians, Maranatha, going back to the days of the early church. Maranatha, Lord come. And many Christians just use that phrase to calm themselves down. So if you're trying to hold yourself in stillness, find a couple of words, a little phrase to say over and over, just hanging your prayers on that. And you will find that it will centre you and hold you when you are tempted to go off and make yourself busy and have lots of interesting ideas and answer the phone that's ringing downstairs. Just sit there. It's the glue that holds you to the chair. The simple phrase, Father, Lord, come. Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Jesus, have mercy. All these phrases we pick up from the church's worship, from hymns, from the Bible. And we use them in a quiet way to keep us stuck there, looking at the God who is looking at you and wanting to transform you all the time. So open up and calm down. Be here. Don't be somewhere else. Breathe deeply. Settle yourself. Sit comfortably and alertly. Breathe in and breathe out, look around, settle in and open your hands again. And that opening up and calming down will begin, just begin to put you in tune with that immense mystery of love that is all around you, trying to uphold you, trying to flood through you. So... When we've opened up and calmed down, we think, so now what? And the answer God gives is just stay there. Stay where I can see you. And this is a bit like the prayer of adoration that, we, we are, that is the focus for this week's prayer. Roots, I think, is. It's not just about us contemplating God in prayer, but it's about him contemplating us in prayer. It's almost like God is saying to us, sit, sit still, let me look at you, where I can really see you, the real you, not the you that is hiding behind your memories and your fantasies and your hopes, not the you that is half buried by grudges you're hugging to yourself, but you, the you I made, the you I redeemed, the you I love forever and ever. Just sit there and let me look at you and love you, says God. In this whole process, we begin to grow towards God, to grow in that great ocean of love, pouring out, pouring back and pouring out again. To begin to be in tune with the nature of the God that Jesus has revealed to us, 
the God whose action has brought Jesus into the world by his cross and resurrection and the gift of his Holy Spirit. And so we begin to be at home. And when we begin to be at home, like that, like that others begin to find peace around us. Somebody said of one of the saints um, that he said, if you have God's peace in your heart, thousands will find their salvation around you. What a lovely phrase. If you have God's peace in your heart, thousands will find their salvation around you. So we try, we fail, and we try again. We try to open up. We find the distraction and the obsessions coming back and we try again. We root ourselves in the simple words, Father, Lord, Jesus, Spirit. And bit by bit, if we trust God to be working with us, we shall indeed find ourselves at home in his love, here in this world, and please God for all eternity. Amen. Shall we stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Creed? We believe in one God, the Father of the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ.